This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Internet. So we're happy that they don't have internet. All right. So we start off tonight with a story that happened to me last week. So I'm sitting talking to a kid who has been struggling for a very long time. Can't can't go forward. Can't go forward. Can't go forward. Can't go forward. You know such kids. You can't go forward. You know, you get you have stuff in your life that happened when you were young, and whether it's abuse or or whatever it is, and you just can't get past it. And I'm talking to this kid in my car, and he just can't get past it. And we're talking and we're talking, and we're trying to go forward for a very long time. We're just there's a block, just because he's living in the pain of his past, and um, he can't get past it. So I didn't really have an answer. You know, I got a lot of stories and a lot of chizuk, but some people are stuck in their past and they, they, they can't go forward. So I'm seeing this car and it's like very late at night and it wasn't such a good place and I keep looking in my mirror to make sure no one's sneaking up and gonna break my window and shoot me. Um, and we're talking and I'm just not coming up with something. And finally, all of a sudden, I get a message from Shemayim. I'm not, I don't mean like that. I'm not, I don't get messages. I'm not, I'm not a prophet. But I, I just, a thought. And I said to him, like, look, you know, I'm very into cars. You know, I've been always into cars. And we're sitting there and he said, wow, look, um, the windshield of the car, right, is huge. The mirror, right, the front, the, the front mirror is teeny, is teeny. Why isn't the mirror big and the, and the front shield and, and the windshield uh, small? The answer is if you get into a car tonight and you say, "Okay, I am now driving home, but I'm not looking at all of my windshield. I'm going to drive home looking in my mirror." You're going to crack into every single pole, car, tree, pump, meter. You can't drive forward looking in your mirror. You can only drive forward looking in your windshield. Now you have a mirror. You need your mirror. I get very nervous when I pack up my car and I look at my middle mirror and I see suitcases. So every once in a while you have to glance see what's coming up behind you. You want to pass, right? So your mirror is a point of reference. It tells you where you are, right? But your mirror never helps you go forward. Your mirror only helps you go backwards. So I turned to him and I said, the lesson that you need to learn is from the car. You can't go forward looking in the mirror. So, yes, the abuse and whatever you went through as a kid, it's there. And every once in a while, you got to glance at it to get your point of reference. But you can't drive that way. You can't. You can't go through life looking at what happened to you behind you. That's the mirror. You, you, you can't go through life like that. If you're going to look in the mirror and try to drive, it's not going to work. And he looked at me and he was like, wow. I've been telling that marshal, I told it to, to the people in... Uh, in um, in uh, the Mormons today, because they went through a little bit of a tragedy in their in their rehab, someone, whatever, something happened, so they were very upset. So they called me because there's kids there that I know, whatever it is, and we was very upset. So, so I told them, I said, you got to tell the kids this marshal. Um, he called it a metaphor. He says, Rabbi, that is the most amazing metaphor. That's why windshields are big and mirrors are small. Because if the mirror was big and the windshield was small, you wouldn't be able to go forward. I'm like, great, you got it, man. You got it. Right? Here, there's a guy that loves to drive. Hello? You love to drive, right? 
So how come in the car the windshield is big and the, and the mirror is small? Shouldn't the mirror be big and the windshield small? No. Right? You can't go, you can't drive. If you look in your mirror, you can't go forward. If you look in your mirror, it's to go backwards. If you try to drive with looking in your mirror going forward, you're going to crash into everything. Right? So I want to say something even deeper. They came to me after I spoke to this guy. I want to say something even deeper. What I want to say that if you live if you live by looking in the mirror right, if that's how you're trying to drive by, by looking in the mirror not only doesn't let you go forward, you have no reference to go forward you don't see anything in front of you so by driving, by looking in the mirror you don't see a future you don't see um, what's the word I'm looking for you don't see potential Imagine we're going for a ride. I'm taking you guys in my van, and we're going up to Bear Mountains. We're going sightseeing. If if I look in the mirror, I don't see any of the mountains in front of me. I don't see anything in front of me. So people who are depressed, this is just my thoughts, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna live in the past, if you're gonna try to go forward by looking in the mirror, right? You don't see your potential. All you see is what you passed already. You don't see what's in front of you. You see the street behind you. You don't see the street in front of you. You don't see the good things. You don't see, you know, Essen. You don't see the Franks. You don't see the store. You don't see the food store. You don't, you know, you don't see the bridge. You don't see the mountains. You don't see anything. So it sort of stops you from going forward totally. So I think that's a very important lesson to open up tonight's share. I think a lot of people are busy looking in the mirror too much and looking in the windshield too little. And that's why they can't go forward. So you gotta let go of that rear view, rear view mirror. It's not, we don't have mirrors, they have TVs in the back, whatever, okay, but it's the same, you know, it's, it's the same, it's the same idea. If you're looking at the TV in the back, you can't go forward. If you're gonna try to drive like that, it's not gonna work. So I think that's the first lesson that we need to take. And maybe, I was just looking, cause I wanna talk about Pirkei Elvis tonight. Right? Every, before every parent, we say, that every person has a chilek in Olam Haba. That's looking forward. In other words, a chilek in Olam Haba is what, what I could get. I have a chilek in Olam Haba, so now I'm going towards that chilek in Olam Haba, not what's behind me. The mission is not talking about what's behind me. It's talking about what's in front of me. Yes, you have to look at Avraham Avinu, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and Yitzhak, and Yitzhak, and all that stuff. And like this week is a very... Uh, the parsha is very, very fascinating because the parsha tells about Klaishol telling Moshe Rabbeinu, beautiful, beautiful shot about parenting. It's something really nice. This week's parsha is is um, about Leitzcha. So Klaishol complains. Beautiful shot. I saw it. Beautiful shot. Oh, they're always complaining to Moshe Rabbeinu. They're always complaining. What do you want from this dog? That dog came out of its time. They were complaining. People say the kids today complain too much. What could happen then? They they came out of its time. They went to the Yamsuf. Yeah. Perikid Aleph. But you were arm, and the nation was Kimis Ayin and Rab Azne Hashem, and they complained a lot. But Titzagav Moshe and Moshe Davin, the fire should go away. 
And this is what they said. So, could you believe this? this? Is like unbelievable. This is unbelievable. By Yeshuvu, by Yipchu, Gam Bnei Yisrael, they cried. By Yerman said, "Me Achleini Basar, who's going to give us meat to eat?" They had the mud. It tasted like anything, right? No, not good enough. I got to have meat. I got to have a barbecue. Memorial Day, you know, Labor Day. Got to have a barbecue. So Chanus had dogosh and Nechem Mitzrayim Chinam. Here we remember the fish. Think there were fish in Mitzrayim. Um, so they're saying this. By the way, okay, this is a whole psychological thing. I'm, I'm a little bit scared to say it because then I don't know if the psychological world will agree with me, and I might get a lot of feedback because what, what they said here is Zachanus had dogosh and Nechem Mitzrayim Chinam. Remember the fish that we ate in Mitzrayim for free. <coughs> okay? Zog Rashi. Ashenachem Mitzrayim Chinam. Eat time, Mishim Mitzvim, Naisim and Dagim Chinam. Are you telling me that the, the, the Mitzrayim gave the Jews bagels and locks for free? They gave them fish for free? One second. They didn't give them, they didn't give them, what's it called? Straw to make the bricks for free. So you think they gave him fish for free? Why you nice and chinam? Dog him why you nice and chinam? Fish they gave him for free? Umalam chinam, chinam mina mitzvahs. Because actually I saw unbelievable thing that fish were not kosher. Till we, till we got to Harasina. Did you know that? The reason that we're allowed to eat, unbelievable. See, you'll learn something really fascinating tonight. Until Noah, you weren't allowed to eat meat. That we know. Okay? When Noah came out of the table, Hashem said you could eat meat. Why? Ah, oh, what a shot. Should have put this in my book, but I didn't know it. My next book in Akros Atar, this is going to be like the first chapter. Why, why when they came out of, why did they, when they came out of the table, you allowed to eat meat? Because Hashem said, if you saved all the meat in the world, you saved all the animals, so Akros time. you saved them, you saved the meat, now I'll let you eat the meat. Akros time. you saved all the animals, it wasn't for you, there'd be no animals. So you say the animals, Hashem said, until I didn't let you eat meat, now you can eat meat. But the fish all swam to Eretz Yisrael. The fish were not killed in the, in the, in the marble. So there was no hakarasato for the fish being saved to Adam. So halachically, the Jews were not allowed to eat fish. Or, or, or fish. They were not allowed to eat fish until they came to the base of Midrash. So this whole thing about eating fish for free, it was saying that we, we didn't listen to God. We ate fish, bechinam, free of, not free price, not free of money, because the Mitzrayim would never give them anything for free, right? But free of God. So here they are complaining in the midbar, getting the mud, went through, went through the, went through, you know, so you know what, Hashem, I can get tinnitus on us today. Kid wants an iPhone, kid wants this, he's spoiled, he's a brat, wants this, he wants that, but hello, didn't go through Kiyas Yamsuf, didn't go through the, the, you know, the plagues. So, they were, they, so, that's what they said. The Chanos had dogo. It's like, you shoo him. The pickles. And they weren't pomegranate pickles. But the we remember the watermelon. They're getting mud. You didn't have to go to the bathroom for 40 years. It sounds bad, right? But okay. You didn't have to go to the bathroom for 40 years because the food was from Shemayim. Your body ate up everything. It didn't give any, didn't give out any excretions of tumor. The, the, the reason we go to the bathroom 
there's a whole Zayar and a Horeb Chaim Vital, is that since we ate from the eighth of the house, so good and bad is in everything in the world. Good and bad came into everything in the world. So when you eat food, whatever it is, in that food there's good and bad. So your body and your neshama takes the good, and the bad goes to the satan. The stuff that goes in the bathroom that goes to the satan. That's the bad. But in, when they got the man, it was from Shemayim. They said, Hamoitzi lechem mena Shemayim. Not mena aretz, mena Shemayim. So when they had the man, they didn't have to go to the bathroom. Imagine that. Never went to the bathroom. For 40 years, right? Now they're complaining. Pickles. And watermelon. It's a chotzev, it's a psalim. And shumim, garlic, and, 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 and what's it called? And onions. Listen to this Rashi. I don't remember learning this Rashi. So why these why these specific things? They didn't have other other things to eat. Why they picked on this thing? Why did the man turn into everything except for garlic and onions and pickles and watermelon? He says that it, this stuff is bad for people for women who nurse. As it says, I'll t- women who, who women who nurse, I'll tightly shum ubatzel nehatinak. So, so the, the actual the reason they complain about these things is because actually the mud did not taste like any of this stuff. Okay. Anyway, the Yishma Moshe the Ambeichel Mishbocha the Moshe hears this um, first time you'll ever see this Moshe Rabbeinu. He's the leader. See, he hears this. Uh, Hashem got very upset about this because what's the worst thing to God? What did we learn? The worst thing you can do to God is be a kafli toiv, like Adam. Don't say thank you, but don't throw it back in my face. So here they're saying, well, you took a damage, right? We missed our watermelon, we missed our fish, we missed all this stuff. So, and Moshe didn't protect them in the eyes of Moshe. This is, this is really bad. I mean, we took you out of Israel, we gave you the mind, you got the toy. We gave you everything. We're on our way to Eretz Yisrael. What? What's your problem? And you're throwing it back in Hashem's face. Why'd you take me out? I miss my watermelon. I miss my pickles. Why'd you do this to me? You never spoke like this. Why did you do this to me? And why? Why am I not your friend? Why did you put that this heavy load on my back that I have to carry these people? If I would have given birth to them, right? But he says I didn't give birth to them. Where am I supposed to give Where am I supposed to give them meat? I don't have any meat. I can't. I can't handle it anymore. I'm done. I can't carry them anymore. This is what he says. And you know what? Better you kill me. I can't. Wow. If you really like me, kill me. Kill me. I can't deal with them anymore. Well, everybody, don't don't watch me in this kind of pain. That's what they were doing to you. That's, that's, I can tell you as a Rebbe, I can tell you as a Rebbe, when they throw it in your face, don't say thank you, but don't throw it in my face. First time you watched that, we get up. Yeah. It said because Hashem showed him 
what's going to happen to them, are they going to be punished? And he said, I'd rather die with a real leader. I'd rather die first and not see them suffer. Okay, so what I want to tell you about being a parent is like this. What did he say? He said, if I was... She got punished also because he said, How are you gonna give them meat, all these people? And he didn't know about this love. But he said, one second. He said, if I was their parent, oh man. I don't have the plastic here in front of me, but what he said was I'm not, am I, did I give birth to them? Did I become, did I, did I get, did I, did I have them as my children? So what do you want from me? With Mashmur from them, that if, there's a very famous story where, where a man, um, I think it was the Gare Rebbe, the man came to, so this guy had kids and this kid, these kids got married and they came to the Gare Rebbe and they told the Gare Rebbe that my father, the father used to get, used to support them and then the father stopped supporting them when they got married. So the Gare Rebbe called the father and he said to the father, why did you stop supporting your kids? And he said, because I support them till they get married. But after they get married, I don't support them anymore. So he brought a raya, the Rebbe said from here, he brought a raya that Moshe Rabbeinu said, if I were their parent, then you could ask me to carry them. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm not their parent, but if I was their parent, if I gave birth to them, then I would have taken care of them. So he brought a raya that which I've been saying that a parent, right? A parent has that responsibility. Okay, anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. You never stop. You never stop taking care of your kids. Because they got married, they're not your kids anymore. Because your daughter changed her name. She has a different last name. Not your kid. No, that's for sure. Okay. Anyway. Um. Well, that's a very important, that's a very beautiful, a very beautiful lesson. It was a very, this was a, the slope was a very bad thing. A lot of them died from it. A lot of them died from it. But really, the, the, the Tai Chi repository is that they were the Erev Rav. It wasn't really Klai Yisrael. It was really Humayshu Rabbeinu. Humayshu Rabbeinu, Hashem said, do not take them out. And Humayshu uh, Rabbeinu said, yes, take them out. Of course, the very interesting um, thing here in this week's Pasha that nobody knows is that Eldad and Medad, who were talking about Humayshu Rabbeinu and the Machana, Brought down in the Medrash, in the Medrash Tachum, in the Medrash says that they were actually Moshe Rabbeinu's half brother. Nobody knows that Eldad and Medad were actually born when there's a whole a whole long whole long shot on this that when when Moshe Rabbeinu's parents split up because he didn't want to have any more children, so it says that his mother remarried and had two boys, Eldad and Medad. No, everyone thinks it's a, it's it's. If you ask someone. Who is Moshe Rabbeinu's siblings? They'll tell you Aaron and Miriam. But, but he brings down Elder and Meir that were half, were half, were half brothers. Nobody says, so, huh? Doesn't say. But there's a lot of kashas on there. I gave a whole share on this a few years ago. There's a lot of kashas on that because halacha is that if you get divorced and you marry someone else and you can't go back to the first one. 
she was a, but he, did, he went back. She went back. So it was before Hashina. Whatever. There's a, there's a love shot. But I'm not, that's not that's not my shift tonight. What? Because they, because they said he was taking all the boys and throwing them into the. So they so so they, his parents said before he was born. They said, why should we have children? Power's just going to kill them. So that's when Miriam came. Miriam said, but you're killing the girls. You could have a girl. He's not going to throw in there. At. So they came back together again. But in the meanwhile, she had two children, Elder Elder and Maida. I'm going to get a lot of phone calls from it. Because everyone says, ah, it's not true, it's not true. And I'm going to have to go read the, uh, if you, you know what, bring me a, a McCoy's Kedalos by Midbar. That way I'll read it in front of everyone, it'll be on that, and you'll know where it comes from. It's a very big Kiddush. I never learned this in school. Nobody ever learned that Moshe Benu and Aaron and Miriam had two half-brothers. You never learned that in school. Your Rebbe never told you that. So it's a very crazy Kiddush, but, and there's a whole swarm on this. How could she get remarried? How could she come back to him? It's Eldar Nemedad. It's Nabdim Mamachana. All right. In the meanwhile, while he's getting us that safer, um, I want to look with you a Mishnah. You pick up that I think is very, very, very important. I actually taught it today in seminary. And I want to learn it with you. So it's Mishnah Chav Beis, if you want to look it up. In Mishnah Chav Beis. And Perak Gimel. Let's see what he says here. Bamidbar. No, you brought me by Yikra. We're by Midbar. If someone separates and his wife marries someone else, can't go back. Can't go back. Good question. So one of the answers is it was before before Hasinai, so he didn't keep it. But there's some other very interesting. I don't have the Chidon with me. What? Mary ants. Huh? You can marry ants. You mean before? Yeah, before there was no. You can marry sisters. Sisters. Now you can't. Now you can't. Uh, an uncle, yes, an uncle can't. Right. Yeah, but it was it was Moshe's father. Maybe they did keep the Torah. We know Avraham did keep the Torah. It's one of the answers. But it's, it's, uh, let's see it inside. It's a Yenis and Benazil. It's a huge kiddush. I've asked people, I've never learned this, and when I learned it, I was like, I asked some big people, like, did Moshe Rabbeinu have any other, no, what are you talking about? Moshe Rabbeinu, no. Let's see if he says it. Hey, listen to this. If we don't read it inside, people are going to be like, oh, well, Wallstein's making stuff up. Wallstein's making stuff up. Pasichavav. Oh, we know the father. <laughs> Listen to this, guys. Hi, camera. Listen carefully. Pasim Chavav in the Yonason Benoziel, Perek Yud Aleph. Okay? Ba'ashtiyoru train govrin b'mashrisa. And there were two people, I'll teach a little Aramaic. There were two people who remained in the camp. Shmeid Dechad Eldad, one's name was Eldad. Which made this Sisnyan, and the second one's name, Medad. Who were they? Bino, the Eltsafan Bar Parnach. Their father's name was Eltsafan, the son of Parnach. De Leidas, Lei, Yocheved, Bras Levi. That Yocheved, Moshe Rabbeinu's mother, the daughter of Levi, gave birth to them. Bizman, the Patra Amram Gavra. When Avram, when Amram separated from her. This Nesiva slay, and she, they were together. Ad the law, you laid us as Moshe, 
and until Moshe was born. He came back for Moshe to be born. Mepharsha Yenison ben Oziel says that um, their father's name was El Tzafar who was married to Yocheved Malevi until they got back with Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm sorry I don't have my chidah here because he goes into that whole kasha. I don't have it. Okay? They were brothers, half brothers. Great trick question. Great trick question. See, Ernest and Benazil. Target Ernest and Benazil. What? It is. Plus You want to be the man at the table this Shabbos to flip them all out? You're going to tell you don't know what you're talking about? You tell them, Moshe Avenu had two brothers you don't know about. It's Pasuk Havav, Perikid Aleph, and Yonison Benazil. Okay? So whoever's listening, there were two guys, Elder and Medad, and they were born from Yochebed. I don't know if El Tzafan Bar Parnach was a Levi, I don't think so. So, if you want to know who their parent, their father was, their father was El Tzafan Bar Parnach. Okay, that's fascinating, right? You didn't know that. Did you know that before tonight? Absolutely not. Okay. And I didn't know it either, and some guy came to me once and said, you know who Eldad and Medad was? I'm like, yeah, sure, there were these two guys saying, Nevi'ez, Nemachanet. No, but you know they were Moshe Rabbeinu's brother. I'm like, you need to see a doctor. He said, no, I'm telling you. I'm like, no, I'm telling you. Moshe Rabbeinu had a brother. His name was Aaron Akain. That's it. And he said, really, Rebbe? I want to show you something. And he pulled it out, and I apologized and apologized. Took him out for lunch. Okay. No, then she came, Miriam, and told her mother, what are you doing? Maybe it'll be a girl. So she went back to... to and if I remember next week, Mitzvah Hashem, we should all be healthy. I will bring the chidah. And he he has to hold, he has to hundred questions on it. And how could that? Oh, what did they say about Moshe Rabbeinu? They were saying the vias. They were saying the vias, and you want to know exactly what they were saying? They were, they were saying the vias, and and much and and he was very, he, he was very upset. Yoshua was very upset, and he ran to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, "Kill him," because they're saying this. What they're saying? Yeah. Um, they're saying the Vias and Yeshua said my master Moshe wipe them out hello who gave them the Vias to be able to say the Vias Hashem I'm not it's not my place to to wipe them out you want to know what they were saying Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what were they saying? I think they were talking about Moshe not going into Eretz Yisrael. Well, they were saying the truth. Yeah, yeah, sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu said, "Leave him alone. What are you bothering him for?" And they're saying the truth. Okay. I want to get to this Mishnah. The Mishnah Chabbez in Perek Gimel. Hu ha'yayme, Rabbi Lazar ben Azayah said, Kol shechachmosem merubem emaisav. A person, he learns a lot. I'll tell you a funny story about this. He learns a lot, but he doesn't turn his learning into maisa, into deeds. So, he learned all about tzitzis, but he doesn't wear tzitzis. He learned all about, not talking about Dami, but talking about Dami. I had this story this girl came out of a class in seminary and um, she was like all lit up and I was like wow what did you what did you just, what did you just learn she said 
just had the most amazing, amazing class on in Shmir Talashim. You know, not talking Lashon Hara. Amazing class on not talking Lashon Hara. I said, okay, great. Like, what did you learn? And she was like, I, I can't even repeat it. It was like, it was like unbelievable. It was like a lesson a day. And this, that, 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 that. And then also this girl walks by and she goes, well, Wallstein, I have to tell you something. You know that girl just walked by in seminary? She posted some crazy pictures of herself, not dressed, on Facebook. I don't know if it's good for us to have her in the seminary. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, did you just come out of class on Lashon Hara? So, so yeah, it's funny because hello, right? But it's like me giving a class on Shmir Zenayim, and then you're like, you're like, oh man, check out that girl across the street. I'm like, excuse me. Like, wow, what a class! But you don't, you don't take what you learn and turn it into these. You're laughing. How many, how many, how many shirim did I give in this place for ten years about not having an iPhone and being on the internet? And everybody's still on the internet. So hello. So yeah, I know. Oh, Rabbi said a good story. Oh, he's right. Oh, he's so right. Oh, you can end up in the worst. But but if you don't get rid of the iPhone, right? Then your your chachmasai, your knowledge, is much more than your what you do. Right? Then your Maison. So, then your deeds. Lamahu Daimat. Mishnah says, a person who learns, has the knowledge, you know, everything, all that Allah Shabbos, right? But he doesn't keep what he learns. What could we compare him to? What could we compare him to? So he says the following. Beautiful. Elon to a tree. We know that in the Zayar and in Kabbalah, a human being is called the Eitzasadeh. So the best thing you can compare a human being to, if it's not a human being, is a tree. Okay, the giving, the giving tree. to a tree, it has many branches. Nice big tree, branches, leaves. But what's going on underneath the tree, which you don't see? Sharasha Mu'atin. It has very few roots. It has a lot of branches. It's top heavy. A lot of branches, a lot of leaves, but very few. By the way, tonight is the yard site of my father-in-law, Rabbi Yeshaya ben Yaakov. My, my wife's father, very special man, always happy, always smiling. Went through the war, hidden in the forest, had crazy stories he used to tell us. So tonight's his yard site. The shir should, should give him an, ali, an aliyah, in the shaman aliyah. Anyway, so, so you got this big tree, like, wow, check out that oak tree. Branches, leaves. But it doesn't have roots. It has a very few roots. What happens? Haruach ba. The wind comes. It's a big wind, a hurricane, right? Barkarto. And it totally uproots the tree. Because what keeps the tree in the ground? Not the leaves or the branches. The roots. It totally, now the, now the mission uses a very weird word, which I always wondered about. Okay. So the wind came and it uprooted the tree. Bahafachto alpanov. And it flipped it on its face. What does that mean? And why does the Mishnah have to say that? The Mishnah should have just said, and a wind came, and, 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 uh, and it uprooted it. What's this? Flipping a tree on its face. What's a tree's face? And what does that mean? It's a very, not, not only the wind came, but it flipped it on its face. So I always wondered about that before I prepared for the shear. And I have the answer. I'm going to tell you the answer. Shinema, because it tells in the Pasuk, it says in the Pasuk, and it should be like an isolated tree in, a, in, a, in an arid land. In other words, it's like this one tree sitting in the middle of the desert. And it 
And it, it will not see any good, this tree, because it's alone out in the desert. And it dwells in Eretz Malecha It's dwelling in a desert where the ground is a salted land. Salt, like what happened to, uh, what happened to Sodom. So there's no growth, there's no growth, right? And if you know in the desert, the sand, you can't really be rooted into it. It's easy to pull out. Like beach, if you put a tree in a beach, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Avo, says the Mishnah, his maizim are more than his chachma. He 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 turns everything into deeds. Just the opposite. Some stuff he doesn't even understand. He does it anyway. I don't understand really what you meant, but if you say I should do it, I'll do it. So his maizim, he's always doing stuff, is more than his intellectual capacity of understanding. Lamahu daimer. What does he compare to? Leilan shainaf of muutim. To a tree that has a few branches, doesn't have a lot of branches. The Shoshov Marubin, but it has a lot of roots. Sha'afilu, says the Mishnah. It's a very clear Mishnah. Sha'afilu. If all the winds in the world, all the winds in the world came, the Naishwiz boy, and tried to, and blew against it, Aim Maziz and Oisimim Kaimoi. All those winds could not move it from its place. Shinema, like it says in the Pasuk, it's like a tree planted by the water. And it's, this tree sent its, its roots into the river. It won't, it's not scared when it gets hot. It's not scared when, um, when there's no water. It's, it's foliage, it's leaves will always be green because the roots are not, then it's not depending on the rain. The top of the tree depends on the rain. The roots are in a, in a stream of water. So let it be hot. Who cares? The tree is not worried. When there will be a year of drought, it doesn't worry the tree. It will never cease giving fruit. And this is the basis of so much that we learn that I always tell people that if you want your children, children don't do what you say, children do what they see. So if they see the father, right, doing the right thing, you will, you, you, you will always have good children. Telling them, you, you should go to shul, and you shouldn't talk in shul, and then you talk in shul, it doesn't work. I like to ask kids, so what does what what your father do? So a lot of kids will say, in school, what did, I say, what does your father do? He davens. I say, he davens all the time? Yeah. I know the guy works, right? I say, how do you know he davens all the time? Because cause I always see him in the morning when he goes he goes away and he has a towel bag and then he comes back and he has a towel bag and then at night my mom he's telling my mother I'll be back soon I'm going to Davin and then later at night he says I'm going to learn I'm going to Davin well he always says I'm going to Davin I think that's what my father does is he Davin and then there are other guys other kids I'll ask so what does your father do he watches television so he watches television all the time he doesn't go to work and all the guy works he watches television I always see him watching television at night he's watching television, in the morning he's watching television. What kids today is he's always on his phone, he's always on his phone. So he, that's what they become. They become, if you're on your phone, they're going to be on your phone. No matter how much you're going to tell them that. I love when parents are like, when you're my age, you'll understand. When you're my age, you can drink. Right now, you can't drink. Well, guess what? If my father drinks, I'm drinking. Right? Because I'm thinking like this. I'm an idiot kid. Right? He's a smart adult. So if the smart adult can drink, it must be a smart thing to drink. So why do I have to wait till I'm his age? If, I, if it's a smart thing to drink, I should start now. 
So these guys go to, I, I have friends that go to Kiddush and they drink and drink and drink. And then they don't understand why their kid at 13, 14 is off the derech drunk and on drugs because he sees that's, he sees that's, that's what you do. And that's what the Mishnah is saying. That the mice have to be more than, than the talk. Than the chachma. Talk, 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 talk. If you talk by davening, you tell your kid, I can talk by davening. I can talk by davening because I'm an adult. What does that mean? You're an adult. You should surely not talk by davening. I can talk by davening because I'm a kid. So if you sit next to your father and he's talking, then he tells you not to talk. It's not going to work. That's what the Mishnah is saying. A person who is maisev is more than his chachma, more than his talking and figuring out all that. If it's maisev or more, then your parents will always be good. And that's what it means, mitzvah gereris mitzvah. If you, if you, if your maisim are good, then, 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 you know, there, there's always wins. There's always wins in a person's life. Because the Yetzirah is always trying to pull you out. And, and trying to move you and try to change you. There are all these wins that come about. But if you have maisim toivim, it becomes part of you. When you do something over and over and over, it becomes a habit. So if it's a good habit, Right? So even when the answer tries to come, it becomes, when you do something, it becomes part of you. I don't know how to explain that to you. I'll explain it to you in a bad way. Um, I, guess, I guess the word is addiction. It becomes part of you. Or habit. Right? It becomes a habit. It becomes part of you. So you can have a good habit, you can have a bad habit. So, so when a person does a miser over and over, he gives tzedakah, he gives tzedakah, he gives tzedakah, so it becomes very easy for him to give tzedakah. What? Routine. What do you mean routine? No, it's not routine. It, okay, it, it's more than routine. It becomes it become part of you. No, the guy puts out his hand for the doctor, your hand's there. Because you do it all the time. The famous story of the Chaim is, huh? Second nature. Second nature, or even more than that, first nature. It becomes you. It becomes who you are. You become, my used to say, become a shtick chesed. You do chesed over and over. You become chesed. You are a piece of chesed. That's who you become. So the Mishnah is saying, you do maizim over and over and over, so you sort of, you don't need the rain, you're sort of connected into the stream. So all the winds in the world are not going to push you out, because you got roots, man, you got roots. You just have leaves and stuff like that, you know. So, so I'll tell you the answer. So what does it mean that if you, if you, if you just talk, 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 and you don't do the walk, 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 right? Then, then, then you're, then you're going to, what's it called? Then the, the wind's gonna come, the Yitzhahara, whatever it is, the girl, the this, the that, you're gonna fall right away, and the tree's gonna get uprooted, and it's gonna be flipped on its head. What does that mean, flipped on its head? So I was in a tornado once in the mountains. And after the tornado, the winds were 100 miles an hour, whatever it is, it was in camp, there were many trees that were uprooted. Big, big, huge trees. The next year we came, it was fascinating. These trees were laying on the ground, they were, they were out, their roots were out. They were laying on the ground, but what happened? So you have this tree laying out there, right? And the bottom of the tree, you know, the big part of the tree, all the roots are hanging out. What happens is that the tree sent its roots, as it was laying there, into the ground. So when I came back the next year, the tree was laying, but it had leaves. Because the roots came out of the bottom of the tree and went into the ground and, and, and took the nutrients. The mission is saying, no. The mission is saying that a person who just talks the talk and doesn't do the walk, the tree's going to be turned on its head. On its head, the roots are up in the sky. The roots are up in the air. The roots are up in the air. They can't get any nutrition. The tree's dead. So just pulling out the tree doesn't kill the tree. Pulling out the tree and it's laying on the ground, the roots will go, they will find. They will find the ground. They will go in. So you'll have a tree laying on the ground with leaves. You're saying, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be much worse. It's going to end up landing from the tornado on its head. On its head, the roots are up 
in the sky, they're done. The tree's dead. So it's a it's a pretty heavy statement by the Mishnah. And what the Mishnah is telling us that we have to act. You walk out of a shear and you didn't make a change, then then then, then, then the wind is going to come and it's just going to blow you away. You got whatever the shear was about is very nice, but if you don't turn it into Misa, then down the road you're not going to keep it. Fascinating Mishnah. And that's what we have to do. We have to start acting out. You know, I'm giving Shiurim for a long time. Hundreds, maybe thousands of Shiurim. But I only get a few emails of how, you know, it, I changed. I, I got rid of my iPhone. I started, you know, I, I don't go down certain streets where I need Shemir Sinayim. I dive I, I, I differently. Just learning it and not keeping it According to this Mishnah, um, it's definitely not going to last. Okay, we'll end with something very beautiful in, in Shira Shirim, which I also taught this week. Amazing, amazing, amazing. The Shira Shirim, which you should really say, boys, before Shabbos, every Shabbos, it's important to say before Shabbos, spend 15 minutes. It's very holy, it's called Kaidish Kedoshim. Parakeh! I have a beautiful poem to read you. A poem tonight. So the reason the reason I went to share Sherim is because I read this poem many years ago, and I don't know how it got to me, but it got to me, and it just, it just, it just, the relationships that we have between husbands and wives, and friends and parents and children, whatever the relations are. The reason that God gave us this relationship, that you have emotions, I fell in love, I'm in love, right? I used to have her shoes to say, love, shmove. She used to say always, love! Because we were at a Shabbat Brachas, actually with my Shabbat Brachas. And the guy got up and said, it's amazing that these two found each other, and they're so young, and they love each other. Oh my God. He got up and said, what? Love! Love, shmove! Let's make love, right? But, what? I'm not telling you. But, but, um... He's not alive anymore. But anyway, but um, the reason that he gave us this ahava, right? This love and Shlomo Melech writes about is because for you, for Hashem to ask you to give him an emotion that you don't have, you can't do. So Hashem can't ask a mosquito to love him. A mosquito doesn't have an emotion. He can't ask an animal or a plant to love him because they don't have that emotion. But he, so, so he wants us to love him. Then, he, then we have to have that emotion. So... Like people who never had love in their life, it's very hard for them to have a relationship with Hashem. I find that very often. They felt unloved by their parents, unloved by their friends, unloved, unloved. And then I'm like, okay, Hashem loves you. All right, these people I know, this is my parents, my friend, that, they don't love me. I, I don't even know Hashem. So, so the, the stronger the relationship, right? The stronger the relationship that you have in life is the stronger the relationship you can give to Hashem. How do we know this? From Yaakov Avino. Yaakov Avinu, who did he love so much? Yosef HaTzadik. He didn't see Yosef HaTzadik for 22 years. When he finally met Yosef HaTzadik, what does it say? Yosef HaTzadik ran. Imagine, they didn't see each other. Ran, gave his father a hug and a kiss. Yaakov turned his head and said, Kriyashma. Now, psychologically, if psychologists were reading this story, they would say that the father is extremely abusive. He didn't see your kid for 22 years. He comes and gives you a hug. Give him a hug! Give him a kiss! You think Yaakov Avinu waited like us? Like, what's my Kriyashma? 929? He went to Shul at 928? Right? He for sure said Kriyashma already that morning. So it looks like, it looks like abuse. 
Kitten Sitoya, Tati, I love you. Shema Yisrael, hello. There's a beautiful shot on this. And the shot is, and Yaakov Vino every day said Kriyashma. What does it mean, Zman Kriyashma? There was a time for Kriyashma. He for sure said Kriyashma. He said in Kriyashma, right? Rahaftas Hashem Bachalubavcha. Yaakov Avinu really thought that he gave God every single day his full love. Yaakov Avinu. When he saw his son, after not seeing him for 22 years and thinking that he's dead, he had such a crazy feeling of love for Yosef HaTzadik, he realized that he never gave God that kind of feeling. So he was never Mekayim B'chol Levavcha. So, Zman Kriyashma doesn't mean the time of Kriyashma of the day. He realized that now's the time to take this feeling that I never had before and give it to Hashem for a moment because I realized that what I thought was my whole heart wasn't my whole heart. And I, I haven't spoken about this in a very long time. I tell all Hassanim and Kalas when I speak to them that at the night of your wedding um, because I remember with my daughter Malki which was my first daughter to get married and I never had that kind of I never had a child that got married and I remember um, standing under the chuppah and just looking at my daughter and, and the chassan and the whole scene and the chuppah and all the people and the whole scene and I never had such a feeling in my heart in my life I never had that kind of feeling. I was, I'm a kid. I'm a young guy, right? Whatever. I never had that feeling. I said, Kriyashma. I said, Shema Yisrael Shema Hashem. This feeling I want, I want to give to you because I never had this feeling before. The night of, the night of, um, of my daughter's wedding, Malki, I said Kriyashma five times. I was dancing. I remember they put me on a table with Duvi, the chassan, and they were dancing with me. And I was sitting on top, and my daughter was on like, on the other side of the chitzah, on the table, on chair, whatever it is, and we were dancing. I never felt anything like that. I said Kriyashma five times that night. Not the whole Kriyashma. That—that's what—that's what was—that's what was going on when he met. When he met, so so th- those feelings of love that you're supposed to have. The reason you have them is to be able to give it to God. So when you're a single boy and you're not married and you don't have those feelings for a girl. So you, you can't give that feeling to Hashem. But when you're married and you have this woman who you're supposed to be, right, very happy and together and the Yichu room and looking at each other, that's the time to say Kriya Shema. So it's a very funny story with me because I gave that chair and I forgot about it. And I was at this wedding and one of my, one of my, one of my girls and we're, we're dancing, you know, when they, when, after they break the glass. So the chassan and they walk down, the chassan and the kala and everyone's dancing. I'm standing in front. Because this girl needs a lot of chizik, and I'm standing in front. And we're there, oh, like Yisham, mommy, oh, And all the guys are watching, they know I'm a Rebbe, whatever this. And she's like, Rabbi, three! I, I forgot, right? I'm like, okay, okay. No, no, Rabbi, three! I'm like, everyone's looking at me like, what she's, what she's saying? Like, what, what's going on over here? And I didn't hop what you're saying. I didn't hop, I'm like, three? Yeah, three! And they got to the, the room, and I'm, I was I was the yichud um, aide, I was the witness. So when I went in the room to check it out, so they're standing there. I said, "What's the, what, what are you talking about?" She goes, three times under the chuppah." I said, "Kriyashma." I said, "Oh, I, I, I was scared. I know what you were talking about." I'm like, oh. three times under the chuppah. 
that, that's where we have our that's where we have our emotions not to not to fight with our wives and and to have miserable marriages and 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 because what are you going to give Hashem you know I had this girl that was abused and I and, and she really hated her father hated him with such a hatred I don't blame her um, for what she went through with him and she said how do I say Avinu Malkeinu how do I say Hashem you're my father every time I say you're my father I hate you I hate my father so I can't call him Avinu so I called the big tzaddik I said I have a problem and this girl that the father abused her physically and she hates him and she doesn't she doesn't want to say she, she said Hashem's not I don't want Hashem to be my father my father I hate my father and he said Shlomo Melech gave, gave five relationships a friend a, 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 a wife a child so she should take a different one of those relationships she shouldn't say she should concentrate on Malkano so all our relationships that we have in life they're supposed to be positive and beautiful and good all our relationships are there in order to give that to Hashem so I came across and we know that, you know how Hashem works when you're born the first relationship what do you have your relationship with your parents is a taker, 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 taker. Diaper me, feed me, burp me, dress me. So when a human being comes into the world, the relationship that you have is you're just a taker. And as you grow up, you become, you give your parents a little hana, then you get friends, which are givers and takers. Now, if you don't pick me up in the middle of the night, I'm not picking you up in the middle of the night. So it's like a giver take you. Would you give me? You know what I mean? I give you. Would you don't give me? I don't give you. Then you get married and it's supposed to be give, give, not give and take, right? So if I give you this and then I take it, that's not a relationship. So marriage is, I want to give you and a good marriage and, and you're like no 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 I want to give you they pretty much don't get to eat a whole night because he's like oh I'd like to give you something she said no I want to give you something they're arguing a whole night and they're starving they lose a lot of weight but anyway but on a, on a serious note marriage is give give then you become a parent parent is give we're not interested in taking anything from our kids we don't want anything from our kids it hurts a parent to get things from their kids so the you come into this world one 100% taker. You leave this world, 100% giver. And that's the growth between the two. Okay? Some people never make that. Some people are 100% takers their whole life. There are givers and takers. Some people never make that change. But that's the change you're supposed to make. And then when you become a giver and not a taker, you understand what God is. Why God created the world just to give. What do you mean? What does that mean? And why are we going to do that? When you become a parent, you understand that. I love my child, I just want to give. You understand God. But when you're first a child, you're a taker, you don't understand God. So that's, that's the whole, the whole scheme of, of relationships. And, and the more positive relationship, I, 100%. The more positive relationships you have, if you get, if you have a good marriage, then you have a good relationship with Hashem. If you don't have a good marriage, and you don't know what it means to love, then you can't love Him. So I came across this crazy poem, which is like the ultimate relationship between a husband and a wife. And, when I read the poem, because it's a poem about a rose, the woman's name was Rose, I right away looked into Shir Hashirim after I read this poem, and I was like, how do I take this and give it to Hashem, this story? And I found in Shir Hashirim how to do that, and we'll end with this. So, it's, it's actually written like this, but it's actually a poem about a husband and a wife. And her name was Rose, okay? So I'm going to read it to you. I don't do this very often, but we're going to do it tonight. Red roses were her favorite, her name was also Rose, and every year her husband sent them tied with pretty bows. So every year, anniversary, the husband would send his wife that he loved roses. The year he died, the roses were delivered to her door. The card said happy anniversary, like all the years before. Each year he sent her roses and the note would always say, I love you even more this year than last year on this day. 
can you come every Rosh Hashanah and say that Hashem I love you more now than I did last year the Rosh Hashanah that's the objective so he's writing her a card and telling her that this year I love you more than last year so I was thinking to myself could I come every year is that my growth that I can say Hashem I love you more this year than I did last year am I growing am I going that way or do I love you less well he loved her more okay I love you even more this year than last year on this day. My love for you will always grow every passing year. She knew this was the last time that the roses would appear because he died. She thought he ordered roses in advance before her anniversary day. Her loving husband did not know that he would pass away. He always liked to do things early, way before the time. Then if he got too busy, everything would work out fine. She trimmed the stems and placed them in a very special vase. Then sat at the vase, then sat the vase beside the portrait of his face. She would sit for hours in her husband's favorite chair while staring at his picture and the roses sitting there. A year went by and it was hard to live without her mate with loneliness and solitude that had become her fate. Then the very hour as on the anniversaries before, the doorbell rang and there were roses sitting by her door. This is the second year already that he's dead on the anniversary. Can't be that he couldn't have sent it. She brought the roses in and then just looked at them in shock then went to get the telephone to call the flower shop. The owner answered and she asked him if he would explain why would someone do this to her, causing her such pain. I know your husband passed away more than a year ago. I knew you'd call and you would want to know. The flowers you received today were paid for in advance. Your husband always planned ahead. He left nothing to chance. There is a standing order that I have on file down here and he has paid well in advance. You'll get them every year. There is also another thing that I think you should know. He wrote a special little card he did this years ago. Then should ever I find out that he's no longer here, that the card that should be sent to you in the following year. She thanked him and hung up the phone, her tears now flowing hard, her fingers shaking as she slowly reached to get the card. Inside the card she saw that he had written her a note. Then as she stared in total silence, this is what he wrote. Hello my love, I know it's been a year since I've been gone. I hope it hasn't been too hard for you to overcome. I know it must be very lonely and the pain is very real, real, for if it was the other way, I know how I would feel. The love we shared made everything so beautiful in life. I loved you more than words can say. You were the perfect wife. You were my friend and lover. You fulfilled my every need. I know it's only been a year, but please try not to grieve. I want you to be happy even when you shed a tear. It is why roses will be sent to you for every single year. When you get these roses, think of all the happiness, not the, not the rear view mirror, you know, look at the windshield. Think of all the happiness that we had together and how both of us were blessed. I've always loved you and I know I always will, but my love, but my love, you must go on. You have some living still. Please try to find happiness while living out your days. I know it's not easy, but I hope you find some ways. The roses will come every year and they will only stop when your door is not answered, when the flower stops to knock. He will come five times that day in case you have gone out. But after his last visit, he will know without a doubt to take the roses to the place where I have instructed him and place the roses where we are together once again. Wow. So there's many places you can put God's name in here. So when I read this, I was like, whoa. So I said, let me find out if Shlomo Melech understood this kind of relationship that a, a husband could have such love for his wife it's not normal and I found it in Perak Hay in Shirim. 
Listen carefully. Basi Lagani, Hashem says, I came to my garden, Achosi Kala, my sister, my bride. It's even better than this poem, believe me. Arisi Mori in Bisami. Um, I gathered my mirth, which is, which is Bsamim. Um, Achalti Yari in Dipshi, Sasini Yeni in Chalavi. Um, I, I, honey, I drank my wine. So Klai Yisrael is answering to Hashem like this. I am sleeping. Klai Yisrael is saying, I am sleeping. But my my heart, right, um, is a believe air, but my heart is my heart um, is awake. Now the way the translation of Chazal is that we're saying Ani Yishena, Klai Yisrael is sleeping. Libi air, but my loved one is awake, which is Hashem. Libi air, my heart, which means Hashem, my heart, my love, is awake. I'm sleeping, but he's awake. The voice of my loved one is knocking on the door, Klai Yisrael is saying. Hashem says, open up the door. Achosi, my sister. Rayosi, my love. Yoinasi, my dove. Tamasi, my perfection. It's even better than this poem. Shiroshi Nimlotov, my, my, my head is filled with dulai, with tau. So we answer Hashem. Sorry Hashem. Got my iPhone on, I'm too busy. Prashanati is katainti. I already took off my clothing. The clothing of a Jew is his mitzvah. We talked about this many times. In the next world, you don't have clothing. Or your mitzvah, that's your clothing. Sorry! You love me, you call me you, my dove, my pretty, my love, my friend, my sister, my kala. She's knocking on the door. Come on! Chaim, open the door, let me in! Hashem's like, let me in! Come on! Sorry, God. Pashadati eskutanti. I took my clothing off. Um, I took my spirituality. I, I, I'm watching a movie right now. I'm watching a range again. Come on, leave me alone. I'm on the phone with my friend. Come on, get out of here. I took it off. You expect me to put it back on to get dressed? I'm in my PJs, man. I'm not going to the door. I already washed my feet. You want me to get off the bed and get them dirty? Okay. Hashem said, okay. You don't want to open the door? So my, that's my who's Daidi, in, in his anger, he sent his hand through the opening of the door, since you won't. And, uh, yeah, we get punished. And then we want to do tshuva. So Kamti, we get up. And we realize that we had a chance to open the door, and, and this is all the chances that we have in life, where we have Hashem knocking on the door, where you're like, I'm done with girls, man. I'm done with drinking. I'm done with my phone and my videos and all my garbage. You know, Hashem's knocking on the door. You get that feeling you want to stop. Just can't get out of bed. It's very connected to the mission in Pirkei that we learned tonight. You know, Chachmah. Yeah, it makes sense in my head. I, I just, I can't, I can't do it, Hashem. I'm, I'm already, I got my clothing off. I'm already, you know, I'm already there. I can't do it. I can't change. But then, you know, you have an Hashemah. You get out of bed, you're like, no, no, no. I'm coming, I'm opening the door. The Yodai Natfumar, 
and when I touch the door, I feel perfume. Because Hashem was at the door. So the door smells very good. That's why I'm more over and my hands are full of this perfume because I touched the door. I'll cup with it's even on my, it's all over me. Because I ran to, I finally decided to open the door. So godliness, it's all over me. And I opened the door. Because and I'm looking for him, but I can't find him. How many times do we feel that in our lives? And I'm looking for God, I can't find him. I'm calling him and he's not answering me. So all this stuff we're going through in life, this is all written. This is not something new. Yes, Shlomo Melech said, yeah, you didn't get up when you were supposed to. Now you're looking for him, now you're calling for him, and you're panicking. Because, you know, no atheist in a foxhole. I need you now. I knocked on the door, you didn't come. Now you need me. So we look for him, we can't find him. So the, 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 the Malachi Chabala, the bad Malachim, find us and they, they, they hit us and they punish us and they, and whatever we're supposed to be going through, we're, we're, we're disconnected, we're getting whacked, this whole door, we're getting whacked. What do you do? What do you do? You didn't open the door when you were supposed to. Now you're looking for me. So someone else said the most beautiful line ever said. He said, I swear to you, the daughters of Israel, if you find Hashem, what do I want you to tell him? I'm angry, I called you, you weren't there, I got up, and you weren't at the door anymore, I don't believe in you, all the stuff that kids come to me and tell me, you know, I asked Hashem to help me, and he wasn't there, so what do we tell Hashem? I'm looking for you and you're not, I'm calling you, you're not answering me. He said, no, 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 we're not going to look in the mirror, we're going to look forward. What should you tell Hashem? The biggest words ever. Tell God, tell Him I am sick in love with Him. That's it. I don't want anything, I don't need anything. I don't need my uncle to have a fushlema. I don't need my panasa. I don't need a shidduch. I need him. I need Hashem. Because if I have Hashem, I have all those other things. How many of us are sick in love with God? How many of us could say, I am sick in love with God? What does that mean? What does that mean to be sick in love with someone? What does that mean? That means that when you don't have that person, you're in love with them. If you don't have them, it makes you sick. That's what it means, love sick. So, tell Hashem that I have no kindness that I called and He didn't answer. Because when He did call, I didn't answer. Tell Hashem one thing. Just tell Him that I am sick in love with Him. And if you tell Him that, then of course it goes into the whole everything is good. Everything is good. The rest of this is all good. You find him, tell him much I love him. So the next Pasuk, Pasuk test, because we're lost, the Goyim asks us, what, what, what do you love about your God that you're so sick? Hayafa um, Banashim? The oh, fairest of the women is talking about Kwaishal. Like, what's so special? Shekocha Hishpitanu, that that you um, that you took all the six million Jews and the Spanish Inquisition and you went through all this stuff and you're running around and you're saying that um, 
that, that, that you're sick in love with him. How could you be sick in love with him? Look what he did to you. So the guy come back and puts a test and like, I don't understand. You're running around telling us you're sick in love with Hashem. You want him? How could you want him? Look what he did to you. Pasuk Yud. Few, just a few words and we'll end with this. He says, my beloved is pure and purifies sin. And you guys, you guys that are asking these questions, he's going to take care of you. His words are finer than gold. His crowns that he put on our heads are like statues. The words of his palate are sweet and he is all delight. This is my loved one and this is my friend, the nice Yushalayim, the daughters of Yushalayim. So this relationship between husband and wife is only one of the relationships that Shlomo Melech expresses in our relationship between Klai Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch and I think that we're coming from Shavuos we're coming from Pesach and we were, we were on such a high level staying up a whole night Shavuos and a special love to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and a special relationship and a Pesach Seder and now it's just summer it's nothing it's just what you people walking around not dressed and freedom and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's knocking on the door and we're like I'm sorry I'm in pajamas I'm undressed I'm not getting out of my bed you have to take the summer and take everything that you learned on Shavuos and Pesach and all the shirim that you learned by Wallace and all the Gemara and all the, everything that you learned and, you, and the summer was the hardest time. He's coming with the wind, man. He's coming with preachers, the big blockbuster movies. When do they come out? We used to always wait in the summer. The, the big blockbuster, the, they hold the movies through the summer. So that's when people go to the movies and people go to the beach and people in Manhattan are not dressed. And the wind's gonna come, baby. And so I want to take you and whip you out by your roots and flip you on your head. That's what the summer does. People, I know girls and boys that do so well, and all their growth from Rosh Hashanah till now goes out the window first two weeks in the summer. God, goodbye, everything. So, in order that our roots that we should not be able to be flipped on, we have to be connected to the Nar, to the Mayim, to the Torah, to the Mitzvah. And that's what we have to work on this summer. Don't lose everything that you have, and then start Elo doing tshuva. You got, you got to hang on, and you got to take the shirim and everything that we learned, and you got to practice them. You got to make them part of them. So when the wind comes, you can say, "No, I'm not looking at that person across the street. No, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this." And, and the only way to do that is if your roots are very, very strong. And if, we, if you feel like you, you're losing it, just go to shul by yourself. Just say shir shirim. Say if you would sit and say shir shirim Friday Erev Shabbos and read the translation, I promise you, every guy in this room, your life will change. It's just a, you know, if you have no one else, no one in your life that loves you or that you love, you can develop, you should develop a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch You reach your Hashirim, you will fall in love with Him. And then we'll have this Chosimir Hashem to be reunited. Mamash Bekara, there's so much I've never in my life, and I know I keep saying that every year, the stuff that just happened this week, it's only Tuesday, that I've dealt with, it's not, it's not, it's not normal. It's not, it's not even on the charts. It's like, where are we going? Where are we going? What's the next generation? It's not normal. I mean, I don't like to talk about stuff, but this guy got up. We all know, you know, Bruce Jenner, 
right? I don't know if you were following the news, and I don't like to talk about news so much. Bruce Jenner was the champion, was the champion before Mark Spitz won the most gold medals in swimming. He was the man. He was the guy on the Cheerio box. He was the guy on the Wheaties. He was the guy. And, and this week he came out as a woman. Changed himself into a woman. So he should be hiding in a closet. What, what's wrong with you? Right? Well, you want, you're, you're a guy, right? And he came out, not only did he come out as a woman, but the whole America on every magazine cover, on every newspaper, and every, all the news is talking about it, and all the TV shows are all talking about how proud they are of him. So we're not only in Sedaim, we're way past gay marriage. We're not, that's not what's going on anymore. Now, if you're a guy, you want to be a girl. If you're a girl, you want to be a guy. You change yourself to whatever you want. You can be proud of it. And everyone's talking about you. Um, we're watching this, guys. We're watching what the Torah talked about in the Medrash. We're watching this happen. When the world was destroyed, this is what happened. We're watching it. And it's happening so fast. And where, where are you going to run? There's only one place to run. Where you're sitting right now. There's no place to run. That's the press. That's the liberal world. That's the way it is. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. If you're a guy and you want to be a girl, so, not only so, but you, everyone's looking up to you. And God forbid someone should... They're praising him. If someone would say something like, you're born a guy, be a guy. What, are you kidding me? He's suffering in a different body. He doesn't belong. You're Wallstein, you're mean, you're evil, whatever it is, you know. Maybe people want to become a giraffe. They'll be able to do that too. That would be interesting. No? I want to be a giraffe. He'll be undercover as a zoologist, you know, whatever it is. I do do want to really talk about this because it's so prost and it's so bleh, Right? But we're living in, in a world, so, 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 the tree, the tree, the hurricanes here, guys, the hurricanes blowing at the tree wants to rip you by your roots and turn you on your head. You gotta get your roots next to the water. That's Tyre and Mitzvah. You gotta put the tree next to the water. And if you put the tree next to the water, the Mishnah promises all of you, if you put the tree next to the water, no matter what happens in the world, your peros, your fruits, your children, your mishpacha, will continuously be good. So my bracha to all of us is that we should see Mashiach like really fast. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.